Before we start this show, just a word from our sponsor. 20 by 20 Apparel. Founded in 2015, 20 by 20 Apparel brings original tributes to pro wrestling's classic arenas, moments, and events. They look to spotlight the bloopers, bleeps, and body slams along with the biggest, smallest, strangest, and strongest that pro wrestling has had to offer. Along with their awesome line of pro wrestling apparel, they do offer many services. In the world of wrestling, there are hundreds of shirts, promotions, flyers, social media accounts, and ads. Don't get lost in the sea of parody shirts and display fonts. They can provide professional graphic design services at a reasonable price. 20 by 20 also hand screen prints all the tees in-house. If you would like to discuss possible run of tees, posters, koozies, foam fingers, or whatever, drop them a line. Go to 20 by 20 apparel. That's the number 20 X, the number 20 apparel.com. Now let's get to the show. Fresh is the word. I'm Jim Duggan, got long wood for plenty hoes. I keep it fresher than fresh, but you already know. You suckers bum me, I'm money, I got a ton of flows. My weed loud like a motherfucking thunder roll. Your shit quiet like you ballin' on a budget though. We see your kicks and we laugh and yell about it though. You see me shining like a suit on puppy. You know my grind and shit is too strong, buddy. That's why the dude call money. I be stuntin' like it's nothing at all. Cause it's nothing to me, it's probably something to y'all. Trying to smoke like me, then come and fuck with your dog. Got a closet full of kicks, you can't cop it tomorrow. And I'm fresher than the freshest, you can tell it's in my essence. Bitch, you see the way I'm rapping? Yes, I do this shit to death. I tell I'm running out of breath. I tell somebody cut a check. But either way, you know it's fresh. But either way, you know it's fresh. Fresh. We fresh. 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 Welcome to the Fresh of the Word podcast. I'm your host, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier. And on Fresh of the Word, we like to deliver wisdom through great stories from the minds of bright creatives of pop culture. Through those stories, we like to dissect the journey of our guests and present actionable lessons and advice for our listeners, no matter what career or avenue of artistry they pursue. And before we get into this episode, I want to give a shout out to Knox Money, Bang Belushi, and Foulmouth for the theme music for Fresh is the Word. And if you would like to support the podcast, you can always go to freshisthepodcast.com and just share any of the links for any of the episodes on any of your social media platforms. And also, you can subscribe to Fresh is the Word pretty much anywhere that podcasts are streamed. And that includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, pretty much everywhere. And please, rate and review, especially on Apple Podcasts. It would definitely help out the show. If you want to contact me, you can always reach me by email at djkfresh at gmail.com. Or you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at kfresh is the word and on facebook at facebook.com slash kfresh and you can also follow fresh is the word on twitter at fresh is the word and that's is with iz instagram at fresh is the word podcast and facebook at facebook.com slash fresh is the podcast and this is episode 161 and the guests for this episode are Alethea Van Hollen and Jackson Jobert creators of the comic book series bad luck published by Imbion Studios. 
Bad Luck is a dark comedy supernatural series set in an alternative 1950s America where witches, demons, and magic are real. And we definitely get into the Bad Luck series and we break down, you know, what it's about and dissect, you know, the inspiration behind the characters. And also during our chat, you know, we talk about how they both became comic book creators, how they uh, go about working together, their own styles. We talk about Sailor Moon a lot. Uh, we talk about the idea of acceptance in regards to this story and just in life, and so much more. But before we get into this interview with Alethea and Jackson, I definitely want to remind you how you can support Fresh is the Word. Um, I am on Patreon now at patreon.com slash fresh is the word. And for as little as a dollar per month, you can help out me and Fresh is the Word. And for the $3 a month tier, I'm going to be digging deep, opening my audio archives for interviews that I've done outside Fresh is the Word for various journalistic endeavors over the past uh, decade or so. Uh, stuff for articles that I've written, some interviews I never even used. So those podcast, those Patreon, you know, exclusive podcast episodes with my archives are uh, going to be a treat, you know, definitely a lot of cool stuff. You know, I already have interviews with Danny Brown, Cool Keith, 12th Planet, and part one of my interview with uh, Jay Dilla's mom, Ma Dukes, already up on the Patreon at patreon.com slash fresh is the word. And there's also higher tiers where you can actually be a part of the, the podcast. So uh, go to patreon.com slash fresh is the word and sign up now and you'll definitely help out and support what I'm trying to do with fresh is the word. All right, let's get into this interview with Alethea Van Hollen and Jackson Jobert, creators of the comic series, Bad Luck. I was trying to do a themed month for my uh, podcast, but that yeah. didn't, but that did not work out at all. So I just <laughs> it didn't work out at all because like I had so many I had so many other interviews in the bank too that I was like oh wait a minute, I can't keep I can't like postpone these until after October after Halloween and then everybody else that I the types of people that I wanted to get on it at the time like really nobody replied back to me so I couldn't do the like the the Halloween sort of October month that I wanted to do. So oh, sorry. So I was just like, eh, screw it. But um, I but I kept your email and I eventually uh, read Bad Luck and but then at first I like when I first started researching you, I'm like, oh, we have somebody in common. Uh, with uh, <laughs> with Claire, uh, like she's originally from Michigan. I used to like party with her and her sister in the Detroit like you know party scene, hip hop scene, techno scene, whatever you know. So I was just like, oh, wait, how do y'all know each other? <laughs> I was like, small yeah, world. I thought, yeah, it was, as soon as you're like, do you know Claire Van Holland? I was like, what? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what a small world. Like, yeah, she's she's actually my aunt. She married my uncle. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, oh, all right. I'm like, small world, I guess. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But um, yeah, when I eventually got to uh, to reading uh, Bad Luck, I was like, yo, this is pretty good, man. I like it. I like the uh, the story. I like the idea behind it. I love the artwork. Um, talk about um, the idea behind, you know, what's Bad Luck about and, uh, you know, the idea behind it. 
So Bad Luck is about a very scattered-brained and forgetful witch named Ava who summons a demon or an, an incubus named Oliver to be her familiar. But he doesn't want to be her familiar, um, so they have to go on this epic quest to obtain these rare components around the world to break their their familiar bond, which would set Oliver free and allow him to go back home to the underworld. Um, however, their adventure doesn't come without a price. A group known as Harvesters are hunting witches like Ava down um, for their own personal uh, benefits. And the, the leader of the Harvesters seems to have taken interest in the pair for some mysterious magical reason. Uh, <laughs> so Oliver and Ava have to learn to work together while avoiding the Harvesters at all costs to see their journey through to the end. It's... Um, it's it, it is a comedy adventure, but we do have aspects of horror in it um, because it does deal with demons and witches and a lot of dark taboo subjects as the series progresses. Um, so so like it starts out kind of light and kind of uh, friendly, and then as the series progresses, it's just going to get darker and darker as as we're just going to put more of our characters through uh, a lot of fun stuff. Jack, you want to add anything? Oh, you've got it. You've got it pretty well nailed. Um... <laughs> can't add much to it that's about it <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's um yeah ava is a, a very this is a pain in the ass of a character you know what, what was the idea behind this uh, character um well i kind of modeled ava uh, a little bit of her design and um her optimism a little bit from alice in wonderland um, and then we just kind of turned that to the extreme because she's she's very upbeat and she's she's very much uh, she's down for anything. Um, she's pretty much like the the like bright light in a sense that will get you through the series. Um, but but even then, she's going to have her own uh, maturing and dark moments, too, that will somber her personality down a little bit more. Um, so. Yeah, she she is sort of like the annoying little sister, but she also deeply cares about everyone. I think Jack one time in in another interview described her as the the truest friend you could ever have. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so. she's she's definitely the type too, you know, it's all about it's all about everybody else. She doesn't think about herself and she's just she's she's so constantly positive that you you can't help but think there's something deeper going on. But really, there isn't with her. She's she doesn't. She's everything is on the surface. With you know, with having a character that's like you say, everything's on the surface. Surface. What sort of you know challenges do you feel like this character, you know, has already or will you know, you know, run up against to you know being so like you know everything's basically you know her heart is on her sleeve. Everything's on the surface. Um, it's sort of like, uh, she, she does have some secrets, but it's not, it's sort of like secrets she's not aware of, <laughs> in a sense. Um, and without giving too much away, uh, it's just, it's kind of fun because we can, we can present someone like Ava, who's so bubbly and peppy and, you know, she's always on your side. Uh, and she, she always tries to see the good in everyone. Like, like uh, I, I, I can't give too much away. But, like, she, she will always try to see the good in people. Um, doesn't matter what the situation is. And 
the thing about that is that we can kind of play with people's expectations a little bit. So they're going to think that she's going to be this kind of airhead kind of playful character throughout the whole series. But then, but then we can have something surface in some way that, that might catch them off guard and they didn't expect it. Um, there's sort of like a, this little running joke that Jack and I have throughout the comic series that uh, Ava's kind of aware that people poke fun at her and she's, and she's on board with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She definitely can tame the joke at herself quite a bit. <laughs> and there's some of it too, where you feel like it's like, is Ava really being silly here? Or is she just being annoying for the sake of being annoying? She's like, I know I'm irritating you and I'm going to do it on purpose. Cause it's fun. <laughs> When, you know, when you have this character that, you know, on the surface might be a little ditzy, you know, be very, uh, very, you know, just uh, flighty, you know, is there, is there a strength that you're trying to show in this character through all of that? Jack, you want to explain that? Yeah, I think, I think her biggest, the strength that comes from that type of character, like with Ava especially, is this innate ability to picture you know you picture what you want to happen and make it happen so she wants her familiar to be happy whether that's with her or not and she's gonna make it happen and you know she doesn't know how she's gonna make it happen but she can see the end and she can make her friend happy and that's it and that's really her driving thing is she doesn't want anybody to be in pain or anybody to suffer and with her her constant positiveness like she has so much positivity that it's sick to even write half the time um, i just there's parts of it i'm just going Ugh, really and but it's it works it works so well because you've got someone as salty as oliver oh man is he salty you just need to throw in the sweet to make it palatable <laughs> what's the what was the sort of inspiration behind oliver the the familiar <laughs> you know it's it's really hard to explain um like it's there, there wasn't like one specific inspiration behind oliver um it's just sort of happened that way that's that sort of seems to happen a lot with these characters uh that that we throw together in this series yeah like, like we have a bunch of different sources. So, like Oliver, yes, he's an incubus. So we drew a little bit from mythology for like his looks and his and his abilities and stuff. But when it comes down to his personality, it's just sort of like what would work in this situation in this story, and that's where his personality kind of shines through. Um, but yes, he is salty, like, and he is bitter about the situation. But he also doesn't mind being the butt of some jokes. Um, he also is a little bit of sort of like the outside observer. So he sort of uh, is like, wait a minute, you're doing this. That doesn't make any sense. That's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, we so like to he, use him as the voice of reason sometimes. Where, sometimes. Uh, uh, all, Ava is just like ready to go at adventures or even at like bad people just like head first. I'm going to take you on. And he's like, you are stupid. You're going to die. Can we not die today? That'd be great. <laughs> um, yeah. How do you feel like Ava and Oliver influence each other and vice versa? You know, um, 
so so Oliver is a demon. So he doesn't have like uh you know kind of human compassion in a sense. Um he's he's very much selfish, self-centered. He has to feed. He has like you know in the first issue he all he cares about is himself feeding. He doesn't care about Ava eating. Um so so he he's very much self-centered in a lot of in a lot of ways um and with Ava with her being so she's she's constantly thinking about other people she's constantly putting other people before herself even if it hurts her in the end she's always willing to make that kind of sacrifice um so so I feel like with Ava he's gonna learn a little bit of compassion hopefully throughout the series kind of depends um <laughs> and with Ava uh because he's so grounded and he's and uh he and you know Oliver is so uh just kind of pessimistic and uh idealist in a lot of ways or or, or realist um he's he's a uh, he, she's probably just gonna learn and be like oh what would Oliver Oliver do in this situation I probably shouldn't do this then or you know <laughs> Yeah, let's what let's you... not just run face first into this. We'll think about it a little bit first. <laughs> <laughs> when you have a uh, character like Ava that you know puts so many other people's needs ahead of time, you know before hers, you know what is like the positives and negatives of a person like that? Do you feel in just in even in the real world, and how does this comic sort of reflect like that real world you know position? Oh, that is like the best question I think we've ever been asked. Um, <laughs> there, because it gets it gets so deep. There's so much of the symbolism in it because I think I think a lot of people are people pleasers and they just want everybody in their world to be happy. And there's so much self sacrifice that comes into making other people happy. And Ava, she just has this lack of awareness about you know how much is the appropriate amount to sacrifice for people to to make them happy. Not even, not even to like save their lives, just to make them happy. And I think in the real, I think people can relate to that just because, like I said, there's so many people out there that are people pleasers. And in the end, too, like Ava is not going to be constantly able to give 100% of herself to save her friends. At some point, she is going to run out of steam. And, you know, either she's going to learn it or she doesn't. Um, Part of it is because we don't want to give spoilers. Part of it is because we won't know till we're there. All right, to rewind a little bit, uh, how did, you know, both of you, you know, just get into, you know, being, you know, comic book creators? You know, what were you doing, you know, when you were younger? Um, so Jack and I have known each other for a little over 10 years now. Uh, we, went, we went to high school together. Like, we've... We've known each other that we we call each other brother and sister at this point. I'm freshman um, year, I think, yeah, because I'm about I'm a year below you, so. Yeah, it was your freshman, and I think my sophomore year. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and, um, you know how like you see like those geeky kids in class like write in notebooks and they swap notebooks back to each other. Yeah. That's what we did. We just swapped stories back and forth to each other, and we had like a whole group going like that for a <laughs> while. <laughs> um. And, and, uh, so, so yeah, we, we were definitely those geeky kids in class that did that. <laughs> we were drama nerds. <laughs> yeah, we uh. were. <laughs> we were drama nerds. Um, and, uh, 
And, uh, you know, after high school, you know, we kind of just went our separate ways, but we always stayed in contact. Um, and I got into being an artist and being a comic book artist and a comic creator full time. And, and, uh, when, when the story, when, when I first conceptualized the story back when like, it was just nothing more than just a vague concept, I was like, I need someone to help me flesh this out. Um, so, and I need someone to really make this story come to life in every sense possible. And the first person I can think of was Jack, because we have a lot of the same frequencies. Like when it comes to this kind of stuff, we have a lot of the same kind of dark sense of humor. So <laughs> what about you, Jack? Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's pretty accurate. And I mean, you just brought me to the story. You're like, Hey, like we'd worked together on a couple projects. You'd kind of hired me for to help you uh, when you were overloaded. And then you brought it to me and you're like, I have this idea. I don't think we're going to be able to do anything with it at least for another year. And so I think you just came up with like base. You're like, there's this ditzy witch who has like lost her memories and she's got this demon familiar and they're trying to break their bond. And I'm like, oh, that's a great idea. And then, of course, my brain didn't stop. And I think <laughs> for the next week, I started bombarding you with so much concept art and just ideas that like. It wasn't. It was the end of that summer when we had the first issue done. Like it just took off when we started getting on it. Like crazy. Why? You know. Why do you feel like you were able to work so well with each other? I I think it's because one we're always talking to each other. Like whether it's whether it's like we send memes to each other and we're like this is Ava or this is Oliver. Like <laughs> <laughs> or. Or, or we're like, hey, I have an idea for the script, uh, or I have an idea to improve the script. Uh, I'm going to make an edit and read it through when you can. Let me know your thoughts. So, like, we constantly talk to each other. And also, we're always willing to compromise. Like, if there's something Jack wants the characters to do, and I'm like, I'd rather them do this or something like that, we'll, we'll figure out and... It, it, like whether it takes you know five minutes of brainstorming or three hours of brainstorming we will come to a compromise so that it can happen because it's not my way or the highway and it's not jack's way or the highway it's we're a team in this and we're both equal co-creators in this so both of our inputs and our creativity and our ideas are very equally valid to make this story as seamless and as fun as possible well, and there's part of it, too, where I think when we find our compromise, we both end up liking it better than what we came up with on our own. We love what happens when we blend our stuff, because if it were up to me, it would go dark way fast. And if it were <laughs> up to Ali, it would stay campy and peppy for the most part. And when, you, when we blend it together, we've got we get such a good mix of it that. I mean, we've talked about doing even other projects, and there's so much from like, I don't want to do a project with myself by myself because I know when I do it with you, I like it so much more. Aww. So I think part of it too, we genuinely obsess about our own project, and we can't stop. <laughs> oh, that was sweet. <laughs> um, how how do you two sort of um, deal with any sort of you know obstacles creatively that you, uh, either between each other or just with the idea itself? Um, you know, like, like I said, you know, in any, you know, whether it's a, a friendship or a, an intimate relationship or, 
a work relationship, any kind of like relationship or connection you have with people out there, communication is number one key. Uh, so we just are always communicating with each other. If, um, uh, there has definitely been times where I go into like my professional work mode that I <laughs> that that I do, and Jack will send me like a, a lettered page, and I'm like, "This is like, be, because because uh, we we can't always call each other, so like sometimes we'll just send emails to each other, so to keep out all the fluff words, so that like you know, so the editing doesn't get lost, and anything. Sometimes my my suggestions may come across kind of robotic. <laughs> <laughs> and that can be a little jarring if you're not expecting it. So right. like there's, there's always been times like that and Jack will bring up the concerns and I'm like, okay, stop everything. We will have a phone call and we will have a family meeting right now and talk about it. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what happens. And I mean, you know, there's, there's plenty of times too where, where either of us have hit a creative roadblock. We're just like, we have given all we can give and we don't know, but we've got to get this figured out. And sometimes it just takes being like, I know you've got this and I know you'll get it done when you get it done. Don't don't push yourself harder because it's never going to get done. You know, we really we support each other and knowing that we have lives outside of this that have to be taken care of. And we don't want to be putting extra pressure because the more pressure you get, the less quality it is. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I. Outside of Bad Luck, what's been some of the other projects that both of you have worked on uh, separately? Um, so I, like I said, I, I work uh, professionally as a comic artist and a comic creator. Um, so I currently, I work with Ozpool Media Agency. So I work with them on, on some stuff like where, like they're they're developing an upcoming film called Red, which is like a, a horror um, uh, modern retelling of Red Riding Hood. So they want me to be the comic book artist for the upcoming graphic novel of that. But I also okay. help you know provide mock-up posters and stuff, and I also helped with the screenplay a little bit. But um, and I'm also you know a media agent with Ozpool, so I provide consultancy for any comic book questions or clients that want to come through. Um, and I do a bunch of other different projects for different publishers and writers, um, just various. There's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't do, I haven't done a lot less, a lot other stuff. Um, Bad Luck is kind of my first, my first jump into comics. I've done, I've done art projects here and there. I used to run a few clubs on the good old deviant art. <laughs> but um, other than that, I really haven't been out in the public eye. I've just been doing, you know, the day job and doing the, the normal life with my creativity just kind of spilling out into hobby writing and stuff. But then uh, Allie comes to me with this, and now suddenly I'm way too into it. So, <laughs> <laughs> For you, Jax, what – um. You know what? What was so like consuming about this uh, this story with bad luck? You know why do you love it so much? Oh man! Well, when I when I start an idea, my brain just doesn't let it go, and I want to craft. I don't only want to craft a story; I want to craft a whole world around it. I I want to be that fan that asks the question that stumps the the creator, and so my brain is already coming up with the ideas 
trying to stump myself because I'm the creator or trying to stump, stump Allie because she's the creator. And that's just what I do. I, when It's impossible to watch movies with me because I tear them apart um, <laughs> for the same reason. So it was just kind of nice to have an obsession where we can come up with the answers. The answers are ours to make. And so then my brain just went bam. And I swear, every time I talk about it, I just come up with new questions and try to find new answers. And it's it's a puzzle that'll never, ever actually be completed. What do you think is the underlying message of this comic, uh, Bad Luck? I think we have different answers for that. Yeah, you can <laughs> That's go good. Um, for me, it's, it's sort of like, uh, it's so the underlying message. Okay. Jack, actually, do you want to go first? <laughs> <laughs> no, you go first. You started. No, you, you go just, first. No, no you go first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I, it's not, it's more, it's not just one message. I feel like there's several because this is going to be a pretty long series. Uh, we're playing on 20 issues, but we definitely do want to put them in the volumes to kind of just bulk them together. Of course. Yeah. Um, but so like, so obviously friendship is magic, but like <laughs> there's more to it than that. <laughs> <laughs> There's there's just a lot of themes. There's there's the the theme of you know, you know being compassionate towards other people, um, and then there's there's the theme of you know uh, having healthy friendships, but also remembering to take care of yourself. But and also that like if you don't, you're gonna kind of learn the hard way, um, and it's sort of like you know a hero doesn't come in a cape or in a, or, you know, in, in, you know, a iron suit or anything like that. A hero can be in the least likely of places and art. And, and like the, the thing is, is that like, it's sort of like, um, are they really heroes? Cause no one really knows what they're doing. And, and like the harvesters in a sense are like this world's heroes. Whereas, witches are kind of frowned upon and tabooed. Um, but, but like with, with the kind of events they have to go through, they have to sort of turn into the, the underdog heroes in this kind of story. Um, I don't know, Jack, you could probably explain it way better than I could. (laughs) (laughs) You did did an excellent job actually. And there is, there's a little bit more in the, you know, decisions aren't black and white. And I guess the bad guy, the bad guys never know that they are the bad guys. You know, the, there's never a, a, a true good guy or a true bad guy just because it all happens to do with the perspective of what you're looking at the angle. Um, and definitely we have that, that self-sacrifice for your friends. And I think, I think at the, in the end, a lot of what we're going to have is this, like you choose who your family is and you know, a family chosen can be just as strong as a family given. Definitely. What do you feel like the sort of real world parallels that of um, bad luck has onto like what's going on in society right now? <laughs> Jack, you got this. <laughs> okay, I got this. I'm going oh, deep man. on y'all. 
crack my fingers, start getting deep into it. Um, there's there's quite a bit, and a lot of it there's acceptance. Um, just um, in the first couple issues, you you learn about the harvesters, and you learn that they're kind of the magic police. Um, they're the ones, but yet they're also giving quite a bit back to the community, and the community likes to live in this bubble where. We have we have our good guys, and this is how it is. But anybody who uses magic must be bad. It doesn't matter what they're using it for or anything like that. So it must be bad, um, and that that just kind of goes into our society today, where we have this anything out of the norm that's kind of counterculture or just not even mainstream is bad, and we're afraid of it, and we don't want it to have. You know, uh, we don't want it to meet, reach the mainstream because we're afraid of what the mainstream is going to do with it. And the reality is, is that it's not necessarily bad. It's just different. And I think that is the biggest parallel between this comic and real life is that it's not bad. It's just different. And everybody lives differently. Right. Anything else you, you want to add to that, Alethea? No, he he took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> I mean, I could go I could go deeper, but we'd be here for six or seven hours. So, oh yeah, no, I figured that. But yeah, no, like you're saying, um, yeah, I see that. You know, you have these, you know, this group, you know, the harvesters. They do, you know, good things for the community. They protect the community. You know, that's much like you know we have our own police in our society, but you know the police and how they do things has definitely been a hot button issue for the past few years and definitely for the pe for decades now in regards to, you know, how, you Lately. know, bad cops, police brutality, um, whether, you know, racism, um, if like, you know, the, you know, hate groups are infiltrating the, the, you know, the police departments, you know, how, you know, how do you, where do you feel like without giving any spoilers, where do you feel like, this group of harvesters, you know, where did their stories go to from here? You know, where do you where do you want to see this group be in this story? Well, and there's so much of it that you know, um, and we have other we have other projects that are in the same universe that kind of touch a little bit more into the harvesters as the individual people, and in that the individual people have their own individual minds just because they're given the power doesn't mean they all have are a hive mind of thoughts and things and you're you're definitely going to see through the process of the comic that it it is a pretty well parallel to um a lot of you see a lot of that same thing of corrupted power and even though every now and then you'll get plenty of them that are normal but it seems like the ones that have corrupted with the power seem to be the loudest um also yeah i i just want to add that like through the through the the world of bad luck we're not just going to be focusing on oliver and eva yes they are our main characters and they're going to get us through this story but we're also going to be focusing on other characters too uh, we have without giving us too much spoilers but we we do have uh characters within the harvester spectrum that yeah. that we're gonna that That's we're good. gonna be that we're gonna be uh focusing on a little bit and kind of seeing their side a little bit um 
and seeing some characters from that. And also Oliver and Ava are going to run into other types of colorful characters in every sense of the word. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And, and see, and see how those characters live and how they kind of perceive the world and how they perceive the harvesters. So we're, we're definitely going to be broadening out other than just the focal points of Oliver and Ava. Your, um, your artwork in this comic book, I, I really enjoy it. You know, where, you know, what, what's your style influence from and how does uh, the artwork of this comic book, you know, help tell the story? Thank you. I'm glad you like the artwork. Um, yes. <laughs> I, I actually really love drawing this comic because I'm just able to have so much fun with it. Uh, so I've always loved anime and manga ever since I was like seven years old watching Sailor Moon on Toonami. <laughs> you <laughs> talked about Sailor Moon. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Um, I'm starting to, to like watch the episodes, so like I, I love it thus far, but I'm still like on the first seven episodes. Oh, oh man, you have a journey ahead of you. Oh, I, I definitely, definitely. Yeah, well, he's he, he's watching the Crystal reboot, um, oh, which is more like the, the Crystal manga. reboot. It's decent. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's it. I I, I like it. <laughs> yeah, I ain't got but, I ain't got time for all that filler that I hear is in the original, but they have the original on uh, Hulu, and I'm like. Uh, do I go with the original? Uh. Watch Crystal first, then go for original. It's got its it's got its charm, but you're like you said, there's quite a bit of filler. Yeah, and yeah. I, they got they got it they got English dubbed on uh for the original on Hulu, so I'll eventually get to it. Yeah, yeah, definitely, de- definitely take your time with it. Um, also, if you can watch the old movies too, because I feel like the old Sailor Moon movies are better than the show, in my opinion. But that's just me. Okay, <laughs> I agree. I totally agree. <laughs> But anyway, back to the artwork. Right, right. <laughs> um, so yeah, I've always loved anime and manga, and um, with my with my work as a comic artist, typically they want. I get a lot of people that ask for like a Marvel or DC kind of art style, yeah. and I'm like, I'm not a Marvel or DC artist, but I can try my best. So, so I kind of had to tailor my own art style um, to to meet the the needs of the clients. Um, so when it came to bad luck, I kind of wanted to mix the both and, and something that really allowed me to make it as animated on paper as possible to really get across the character's expressions. Um, because you know, with Oliver, his, his face is completely in shadow. So he has to have a very expressive face. Um, and, and, you know, it does have comedic elements into it. So like, you know, some, some jokes require to be over the top, so, but I also wanted something creepy for the creepy, horrific moments too. Um, so, anime and manga were big influences. Uh, I've always loved the works of Jonan Vasquez. You know, his John, Johnny the Homicidal Maniac or Invader Zim. So uh, that's that's kind of where we got the idea for the the black and white, like kind of creepy shadows or the crackly shadows you see in the background. Yeah. Um. So that's that kind of what sets the tone for for the for the shading in that aspect as well as the the inking. So, and uh, Jax, how does you know how does her artwork lend to you know your writing? It it's very inspirational for my writing. Um, a lot of it too, and we we do a lot of the writing. Like yeah, I'll put I put down the words, but her. Allie and I talk through every single episode. We know what's going to happen in every issue. I just have to get it paneled out and looking nice. 
so that we can re-edit it and make sure things are said correctly. But I can I can visualize what she's going to put out there for each panel that I've written. And almost every time, it's exactly what my I was picturing when I was writing the panel. Um, which is great, because I, I'm a darker writer. I, right. I have a hard time trying to keep it light, fluffy, campy. I, I, I just, I don't naturally write that way. So knowing that if I write something that might lean a little bit more dark, Allie usually turns around and can put a great, that makes it a dark joke rather than right. just a, whoa, why did you go there? <laughs> Do you feel like it's okay, uh, Jack? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's okay, Jack. We'll we'll get to the the really dark stuff soon. I promise. <laughs> We're getting there. It's close. I can feel it. Like when are we going to get to the dark stuff? All this jokey joke stuff is. <laughs> but um, do you um, Jax, Do you feel like um, like her art gives you more freedom, more space to sort of expand your mind on this story? Absolutely. Um, it definitely. How do I put this? It definitely gives me this this def, this thing where I can come up with a concept in my mind, even if we didn't talk about it. I'm just say I'm just writing out what's gonna happen, and I'm like, oh man, I don't know if I don't know how I would personally draw this, but I can just be, I can give her the late leeway and say, okay, here's the dialogue for this section. What can you do with it? And she's always she can just sit back and go, I got this. And the style, the style, it goes so, it, it flows so from dark to comedy that nothing is quite out of place. We don't have, you know, one panel that it's like, wow, why is this all cartoonish? And then the rest of it's super serious looking. There's a reason and it works and it really works for this. It's a, it's a joy to even look over my old work, you know, looking, looking back at some of my other stuff when I work in fine art and things. I'll like it for a little bit, and then you come back to it, and you're like, "Ew, I don't want to look at that anymore." <laughs> but I have I have reread episode or issue one and issue two so many times because I genuinely enjoy it, and it it has a lot to do with the artwork and the writing. They just blend together so well. What do you hope your audience, your readers, get out of reading Bad Luck? Well. First and foremost, we hope they have fun reading it. <laughs> um, yes, absolutely. Because, because we we love creating it and we have fun with it and we we want that to reflect on the pages. So when people, you know, whether the characters are going through something lighthearted or something really dark, we just hope the reader has fun with it. And and they come to and that's that's kind of why we want to touch on these kind of like subtle topics or subtle taboo topics and turn them into our own with this world and really flesh out the characters to make them their own. Um, it's cause we, we want the readers to, to, uh, come to care for the characters because sort of like when you first meet someone the first time you, you like them, but, but you don't grow that kind of affinity. Like, like, like we're going to be best buds to live till the end of time until, until time passes, you know, so like, so like people, people who read bad luck, um, they, they may not like Ava right away, or they may not like Oliver right away, or they may not like Beetlebug right away, but given time, if they keep reading, um, they, they could come to love one or more of these characters. But usually we always hear 
someone at least likes one of the characters. Like, like we'll hear someone likes Beetlebug, so they stick around for Beetlebug, or someone likes Oliver, so they stick around for Oliver. <laughs> and then, very rarely do we hear off the bat that somebody loves Ava. But I, <laughs> she'll grow on you. She'll grow on you. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of liked Ava from the beginning. She was, you know, she was kind of annoying, but it was, it was endearing. <laughs> yeah, she's very harmless in that sense, at least. She's not too obnoxious. But uh, did, did you have anything you wanted to add, Jack, uh, for readers to get out of it? You know, I just, I hope, I hope that they, yeah, the, definitely the big thing is enjoy it. I mean, why would you want to read something or write something if, other people weren't going to genuinely enjoy it, but I really hope that it it can spur imagination. I love to inspire people, and I love people to you know get to that point where they want to draw fan art and they want to write fan fiction and just keep their own creative stuff going. And if sometime we're hearing we're listening to some podcast and they say, "Hey, what was your inspiration?" and they say, "Bad luck," I think um, I think I'll check off that like. Gold yeah. <laughs> when when you guys do uh conventions what is sort of like your uh elevator pitch for this comic um so i mainly do conventions right now um until i move back down to oregon where jack is and then we'll and then we'll be hitting the the convention circuit down there yeah, yeah um, we will. <laughs> okay so you're moving back to oregon uh, eventually yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, so far, sometime at the, at the day of this recording um, in May 2019, hopefully. So. Okay, but you're up in Alaska right now, right? Yeah, yeah. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> um, but typically what I say to people whenever they ask, I'm like, I, I, I have like three different type of elevator pitches because cause there's – there's the elevator pitch that, that I have on my business cards and, and like the website and stuff where, you know, uh, a witch summons a demon as you're familiar and their luck's about to get worse. You know, I have that. And then I also have, you know, sort of like set in an alternate 1950s America, a witch and a demon must learn to work together to to uh, uh, avoid a group called the Harvesters and continue their quest to to a, to a successful end or something like that it's i kind of tailor it in the in the spur of the moments it's not concrete it just kind of depends on who you're talking to because every every person you meet at conventions are different some of them just want the quick one-liner some are fine with you kind of some need a little bit more information so <laughs> how do you feel like this story um with bad luck with uh, a character like ava with you know witches in this uh in this comic book sort of you know fits into sort of like the progressing realm of you know women in uh comic books and a uh, women artist doing the comic book you know how do you feel like you fit in that and how do you see the progression in all that these days about how women characters are being written and drawn and whatnot so I can only speak from my personal experience, so I don't mean this to, like, insult or degrade anyone or anything in any way. <laughs> so, <laughs> so from, but from my personal experience, I feel like uh, women are becoming more represented in comics, which I think is an awesome thing. Um, but, but it's also like, you know, I, I'm fine with men being the main characters, too. Like, I, like there, there are some comics I read 
or some video games I play. And some people are like, why isn't there a woman option? And it's like, <laughs> and it's like, this is a, like, like the, like the Witcher, you're playing a character named Geralt. And some people were upset you couldn't play like a female version of Geralt. And it's like, Geralt's a guy, like, just, just play the character. So chill, anyway. <laughs> chill, chill, like, like chill out, bro. Just go. <laughs> exactly. Just enjoy yourself. Just enjoy yourself. Come on. I understand that we're trying to progress things, but you know, you don't, it, that also means that has to fit right you know what i'm saying exactly like don't don't force a character like okay so all right <laughs> everyone hold on go toby go go <laughs> um so like it's sort of people put the gender first a lot or or the sexual orientation or the sexual identity first okay. before the personality and it should be the other way around actually none of that should Personally, I feel like none of that should come into play at all. Um, it's it put the personality of the character first. If they happen to be a woman, they're a woman. If they happen to be, you know, intersex, they're intersex. You know, it doesn't it doesn't matter what they are. Uh, it's the personality of that character is it's going to keep you through the story. <laughs> but that's just me personally. Um, right. So that's that's kind of what we do with bad luck. We we don't really have. You know, all women are good guys and all men are bad guys or anything like that. <laughs> it's not it's not like that. We kind of try and have we kind of just develop these characters first and their personalities. And then and then we decide on their gender later. Um, we do try to keep it equal so that like the harvesters are pretty varied when it comes to ethnicity and gender. Same thing with the witches. It's not just women being witches. There are there are male witches uh, and and it's all different kinds you know oliver is an incubus so he's not just interested in women he's interested in anyone of any gender he doesn't care he'll feed on you he doesn't care oliver's good to go <laughs> oliver's good to go anytime man he's... anytime dtf ready to go <laughs> he's uh he's trisexual he'll try anything yes yes yeah. exactly um <laughs> But uh, so, yeah, go yeah. ahead. I, I was just gonna say, you know, and, and as a female comic artist, like I, I don't want the fact that I'm a female comic artist to get me the jobs. I want my merits and my experience. And if you feel yeah. like I'm good enough for the job, to get me the job. What do you think, Jack? <laughs> well, I'm I'm very much in the same boat with you. Um, I really think it has to come down to the individual and. I'm, I'm a comic writer where I feel like and what I enjoy when I, you know, watch movies, play video games, read comics, whatever. I like a character who is just true to themselves. It's not this strong female character just to be a just for the sake of having a strong female character. I want her to make sense. I want her to be real and there. And I feel like having more female creators is bringing more true female characters to to the media. Right. I really do. Um, because men, we try really hard, and some of us can do it, but not everybody can make a well-rounded female character. Right. Um, just because we, we don't identify with them, and for some reason, it just never comes out right, no matter, you know, it, well, it does sometimes, but not always. Like, yeah. all, I have problems with that. My wife has to butcher my female characters before they actually start to look right. And I'm not sure what I do, but she does. So she fixes my stuff. Well, it's good that you're open to that. And I think that's what the um what's important is that, 
you know, when we progress into being more diverse that, you know, we have to be open to other people and their point of views and listening to them, you know, it's easy just to shut up and listen to, you know, their experiences because our experiences, you know, as just like me as like a white male isn't the same as anybody else's, but white males has dominated the creative block of everything forever, you know? So it's glad that you're, um, you know, you're open to that feedback and it does, you know, like, like you said, you know, there are people that can write, there are men that can write women well, but even then they probably still have some, uh, like you said, with your wife, probably have some input from some women in their lives, you know? So it's always, uh, um, best to get that input. I remember, uh, a while back I interviewed, uh, I forget his name, but he's the, uh, he was the first black man to, uh, play the, um, play the, the Phantom for, um, on tour for the, um, the Phantom of the Opera sequel, Love Never Dies. And I was asking him about that experience being that he's like, I'm not here. It's this isn't important because a black man is is being the phantom. I'm showing that this phantom char- character can be played by anybody. That it doesn't matter if it is a white man or a black man, a gay man, straight man, or whatever. Is that a character like that? It's the character, and a character like that can be played by anybody. So yeah, like we were talking, like you were talking about before. Sometimes we have to put the personality in, you know, into account in that a character can be played by di- many different types of people, but then there's also characters that really should be played by a specific type of person. Right. Because that's, that's true to the character. Um, another example that I remember really vividly was, uh, an African American woman was, was, is going to be Hermione on the stage play for the cursed child for Harry Potter. And people freaked out. And, I felt like it was handled poorly because J.K. Rowling tried to convince through Twitter, of course, because Twitter is, you know, all <laughs> drama. She mentioned that, well, I never specified that Hermione was white. And my, my response would have been, it doesn't matter. Clearly, this actress is strong enough that she can play Hermione. She's the best one for the role. And you know what? That's how I see it. I'm like, I want to see that because, you know what? I bet she's going to be I bet she's going to knock it out of the park. Oh, right. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes, uh, you know, a character should be played by a specific type of person, whether it's, you know, by race or sexual orientation or gender, uh, or even with, you know, if, if, if they have any sort of medical issue, anything, you know, maybe, you know, those people might be able to, should, uh, have some input on a certain character, but then there's sometimes there's characters that are a bit universal that can, can be related to by different types of people. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Exactly. We got, we got That's how we there. handle it in our stuff. You know, <laughs> it's the character decides what they are and we just kind of write it down. Where do you like, not, not exact, you know, not exactly asking, you know, for spoilers or anything, but in a general sense, where do you hope that this comic bad luck goes to, you know, what do you, you know, what are your sort of, you know, hopes and dreams for it? Well, yeah, pretty <laughs> much everything. Everything you can think of, we, we want, we want. Like, like, uh, we can't give any, uh, we can't give anything definitive, but, um, like, like, we would love, 
you know, like it would be super cool to get a video game based off of it or a, or, um, a big publisher interested in it. Um, and seeing what they can do with that. And, or, you know, um, we, we even joked around just like a clothing line would be funny too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. we have generated some interest, um, but with, with, uh, with a couple companies, but we can't really say anything right now. <laughs> um, yeah. But well, uh, we definitely would like to take it and get it into the mainstream. We feel like it's a story that, that the mainstream audience could enjoy, but we need to get more, we get, we need to get enough people to say, man, this does, ha- this can have a mainstream appeal because mainstream is changing. You know, there's a lot of stuff out there now in the mainstream that wouldn't have been when we were kids and definitely wouldn't have been when our parents were kids. Yeah. Like, um, and I feel so, like in a couple of years, this might be there. Yeah. And with, with bad luck, yes, we do have enough elements, you know, for example, again, back with Ava, Ava's kind of can do attitude and, uh, Oliver salty attitude. Yes. We we've seen this dynamic duo before in other stories, but, it, but there's also enough stuff in it to keep it different and to keep you like, well, I want to see how this will play out. Are they going to break the familiar bonds? Like, what's going to happen? Uh, there's there's some there's some darker nuances to it. Is is this going to get darker? What kind of topics is this story going to cover? What kind, you know, um, that that kind of stuff. Um, that 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 there is some familiarity, but there is also a lot of uh, a, a lot of different stuff that makes it its own. And we feel like a lot of people could find that relatable or inspiring in the mainstream. And I really want to see cosplay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll just be straight up. I just want to see cosplay so bad. <laughs> I think I think a lot of times that is like some like one of the like ultimate goals of any like comic creator or whatever they just want to see just people spend all that time to make their characters you know make an outfit for their characters i think that like is like the biggest joy of people absolutely i mean that imitation is the best form of flattery the most sincere form of flattery and it's like i just i i so bad want to see people being so into it that they want to put their own their their precious precious spare time and money into either making costumes or writing fan fiction or just coming up with their own fan characters. Like that is, I think the biggest hope I could ever have for this thing. Or heck, like, like if we're at a convention and someone reads it and they come up to us and they're like, Hey, I have a theory about this. We'll be like, yeah, let's talk about your theory for about 50 days. Let's do it. Be my <laughs> best friend forever. <laughs> <laughs> what are some things that, like you mentioned this uh, a few minutes ago, what are some things that you just didn't see when you were younger uh, that you would like to put into your stories? And you know, how does that affect this book and anything else that you've uh, done? For for me, it's like, like Jack mentioned earlier. Uh, it's a lot of acceptance. Um, I I can't really go too much into my, about my past because. Uh, reasons but (laughs) um (laughs) it's all good uh but i grew up in a very kind of a conservative household um and a lot of the mindsets was very narrow-minded it was it was and and like 
with with the people I hung out with and with my experiences growing up, it just didn't feel right. And then society was also like, you know, I'm a woman. So society pressured me, you know, get pregnant at this age. You got to get married at this age. You got to, you got to have like, you know, three kids and a pick a white fence and uh, you have to be at home cooking, cooking for the husband. Like that's the kind of like, it's, it's very weird, but like even in the nineties, like it it was pressured onto me. Yeah. So nauseating that, that whole like, we grew up in a small town too. So it's even worse. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, so it, it was a lot of that. And, and, uh, and like you, you couldn't really be outside of the norm if you were, if you were, if you identified as a different identity or if you, or if you were attracted to the same sex or anything like that, you were seen as an outsider and you were ostracized. And, um, and if, if you were different in any way, basically. Um, so it's sort of like, I just want this comic to really just touch on acceptance to either help kids understand more about it and, or you know, e- even adults, because because adults still deal with acceptance issues as well. Oh, hell um, yeah! And to to know that they're not alone, and stories like this can hopefully bring them a little bit of hope. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that was definitely I remember, you know, in the '90s and stuff uh, when we grew up, there wasn't there wasn't a lot of that embracing the strange character. A lot of it was, you know, that that gay character or something. It's it's a it's the punchline. It's the joke. It's the butt of it. And there was so much of it that didn't feel real that I hope that we can bring into bad luck. Um, there's uh, just off the top of my head, you have you have a lot of shows that treat treat death like it's nothing. Um, so you have, you know, they're just mowing down the bad guys with bullets and whatever. We yeah. killed the bad guys, but they've still killed people and. I know it's. I don't think it's going to come up too much in Bad Luck, but hopefully in our other project in the same series, I know we're going to be bringing it in. That death isn't something to be taken lightly. It's not just well that they were bad and so now they're gone and we're going to move on with our lives now. Because um, that always bothered me. It was. It was kind of a like, in the real world, this is a huge moral dilemma. But in media, it's it's nothing to just you know wipe people out just because they're opposing to you yeah like that henchman what if he had a wife and kids what if what if he had a family waiting for him and now he's dead you know that's we we touch on it a little bit in bad luck later in the series but uh we're we're doing a spinoff of bad luck that'll be taking place in the current timeline and like jack said that's going to be expanded on more that death is a serious thing How do you feel like this sort of idea of acceptance has, you know, in doing bad luck, doing this series has helped you to out personally with your own, you know, dealing with acceptance in life? Um, for me, it's, it's made me like, and and it just made me happier in just like a general sense. Cause like I can, I can really do whatever I want with these characters, I can really draw them however I want to, because, because we're, we're writing them as this is just an everyday thing, you know, with acceptance, it's not because it's the witches that are ostracized. It doesn't matter what skin color they are. It doesn't matter what gender they are. It doesn't matter what uh, identity they are. 
the fact is that they're witches, so they're bad. <laughs> so like, <laughs> so like it's it's that it's so like we can really have a lot of fun with how characters will look and how characters will interact, and that's kind of what helped a lot with with the whole acceptance things. That like acceptance. And people being different, like people come in all different shapes and sizes and they're all different interests and, you know, and that's perfectly fine as long as it's not hurting anyone, you know, <laughs> what right. do you say, Jack? Um, sorry, I got distracted. What was the question again? <laughs> um, how does, you know, how does this series bad luck kind of help you, you know, with your own acceptance in life? Oh yeah. Um, you know, what really helped me, it helped me in a more real world type thing. So I'm somebody who suffers greatly with anxiety and, um, I kind of have my whole life, but like, it seemed as soon as I became an adult, it really became overwhelming. Right. There was a, at least a year where I don't, I didn't even leave my house. Um, it was so bad. And part of it became the pressures of society. So whether my family intended to or not, the moment I graduated high school, it was like, suddenly everybody was taught, like, I had been pretty isolated. I didn't grow up with any siblings. I grew up in a small town, kind of away from family. But suddenly, everybody had this interest in me and was calling me on a constant basis and wanting to get in touch with me. And the the what the reality of it was I felt like what they wanted from me was answers as to where my life was going. And here I am. Man, I was I just turned 18. I just got married about a month after graduation. I didn't have any plans for my life except for to just keep breathing and walking forward. And suddenly I, I had nothing. I, I, I couldn't do much. And then I had a bunch of medical things happen. And so once I started really getting it with bad luck and doing something that felt like we were doing it for us first and for everyone else second. But then we started showing it to other people and they liked it. And then we got a publisher for it. And then we started doing podcasts for it. And I started finally having something in my life that I could be proud of. And that when my family came a knock in, I could say, this is what I have going in my life. What do you have going on in your life? Hmm. And it kind of gave me a little bit more power back in my life just to have something that was mine and that I first enjoyed and that I knew other people also enjoyed. Wow. Great. Yeah, I'm glad that uh, that this project have, have been able to you know give that to you yeah to sort of uh wind things down um i always like to a um, ask this question of people you know what's sort of a nugget of knowledge from your life and or career that anybody listening to this podcast no matter what sort of avenue of artistry that they're in could sort of project into their own life you can go first jack I, I, I'd say always be open, open to constructive criticism, but also learn how to give good constructive criticism. Because um, it can be really hard, you know, just as an artist in general, to look at somebody else's art and go, oh man, you need to fix this and you need to fix that. But, you know, being on, kind of having that empathy of like, if I was the person who'd put 60 hours into this piece. Right. You know, telling them, oh, you need to fix the nose. Thanks. How? I put 60 hours into it already. I thought the nose was fine. What do I do? And so kind of just having the empathy for each other and the respect that 
you know, not everybody's at the same level. We can't, we can't judge other people's work against our own. And while, yeah, we want to help everybody get better, not everybody is ready to listen to everybody's advice at the same time. What do you think is the do's and don'ts of giving and taking criticism? Um, I think, I think we usually, okay, so if I were to give somebody constructive criticism, I usually tell them two or three things that they did really well with one thing that I think could be worked on and how I personally would fix it. Doesn't mean that they have to do it. Doesn't mean that they have to take the advice. And I kind of, I try to let them know that like, Hey, this is just my outlook on it. If you think it's perfect, then it's perfect by all means. But what I would personally do with it. And I mean, it's still personally, I still, the shock of getting criticism can be hard at times. Um, yeah, I know like uh, Ali was talking about lettering pages. Like I'd, I'd lettered one that I felt like I put a lot of work in and she gives me this like really deadpan straight up like professional answer. Um, but when I looked at it, I happened to be at work plunging a toilet. And so I was already <laughs> in the dumps, you might say when I read it and I'm like, Oh man, I might as well have not even put those two hours into that one page because she hates it. It's awful. You know, <laughs> later when I went back and we talked it out, we were good. But like later when I went back and read it, it, there was nothing wrong with what she had said. It was just that I happened to be definitely in the wrong place at the wrong time to be reading those comments. And so I think there's a little bit where, you know, you just got to be, you got to prepare yourself for criticism and not always just react. Don't react directly to it all the, you know, immediately let yourself, let it sit in, think about it critically before you come back with any sort of response. Because in the end, if you're working, especially if you're working on your own things, it's up to you whether you change it or not. You don't have to make everybody happy. Right, right, right. Definitely. Ali, um, did, did you have anything to uh, add in regards to a nugget of knowledge that you would uh, offer to anybody listening to this? Um, I, I would just agree with Jack with what he said. Um, because because we, we, we live in such an instant gratification kind of culture now. And uh, with, with how easy social media makes it to yes at we are at the best time of connecting with people all over the world but at the same time that also brings a lot of a lot of uh drudgery and a lot of uh negative uh words that can also fly instantly as well um so you kind of have to take the good with the bad and so kind of with jack with what he's saying that like if you're on social media uh whether it be like twitter facebook or whatever and someone and someone criticizes, you know, your work, you know, it, if, if you're doing this professionally, whether you're drawing music, writing, whatever, that stays on the internet kind of like forever. So like you kind of have to try and be professional as much as possible. So like let yourself, and also if you're working in a team to try and be professional as possible. So like, let yourself breathe, think about your answer, because once you post it, you know, kind of think about, is this something that I'm going to regret posting later? It like, or is this a fight really worth my time? You know, uh, am I going to change this person's opinion or am I going to, is something salvageable kind of going to come out of this argument or conversation? If not, then it's just not worth your time. You don't have to respond to them. Um, so it's just sort of that, like, just take your time, no rush. And, you know, whether you like your work or not, uh, you're, you're the one that makes the call to, to edit or fix your work. 
you know, you don't have to do everything that everyone on earth tells you to do because you can't please everyone with their constructive criticisms. <laughs> right, right, right. Ava, Ava can't <laughs> <laughs> And I always like to uh, end my interviews with the same question. Uh, who would, who would, you know, be somebody that part of your life or career or somebody that influenced you that, you know, I could realistically interview for this podcast. I would have some good stories or lessons to talk about. Jack, I think you have one, right? Um, Eric from Inbeyond. How do I pronounce it? How do we pronounce his last name? Allie, I totally botched I it. Think, I think it's just Hutchison. So Eric Hutchison. Hutchison. Eric Hutchison from Inbeyond. He has been such a great person to have just on our team, on our side. Every will come back and he will do it. And like, uh, you were just kind of cutting out. Diet, you were like just kind of cutting out there for a little bit. Uh, can you just? Uh... Yeah. Hang on. <laughs> All right. All right. Am I good again? Yeah, I can hear you again. Can you hear me again? All right. I'll okay. start that up again. Um, Eric Hutchison from Inbeyond. Uh, he's he's been a guy that's been part of our you know our bad luck journey since Inbeyond decided to publish for us. And every time we've needed him, he's been there. He's given us more advice than we could possibly ever want in our life, but it's all good. Everything he says, I mean, he, he's on our side all the time. I, I'd never doubt that guy. Um, and he knows so much and he's got so much passion for his work that if you could get an interview from him, I would, I would absolutely listen to it. He is probably one of my, my favorite person, people to get pep talks from like all the time. Yeah, he, he he's he's also the founder and CEO of Inbeyond. Um and he's he's also skilled in art and animation too. So so he could he could definitely provide a lot of interesting insights in the industry and entertainment and all that. Oh, so Man, I love his comic Crimson Huntress. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> all right, great. Before we get out of here, uh where um you know, where can people uh, go online to uh, get more information about what you guys are up to. And if you have anything that you want to plug, you know, go ahead. Yeah. So anyone can find all the information, uh, news, convention updates, artwork updates, publishing updates about Bad Luck on its official website. Uh, that's badluck.com. And they could also check out Bad Luck on uh, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter uh, to for a lot of WIP sketches, works in progress, and again, more updates. Um, and it's super simple. Just look up. Uh, so for Instagram and Twitter, it's Bad Luck Comic. And then for Facebook, it's bad, it's official Bad Luck Comic. Well, all right. It was good talking with you both. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having us. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, had a fun time. Do you, um, Is Bad Luck uh, available in hard copies? Not yet. It will be soon. Um, but people can buy it uh, digitally um, through Inbeyond for like 99 cents. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at it right now on uh, Inbeyond's website. So, yeah. All right. Yeah, thanks for uh, chatting with me. Uh, yeah, this interview, will. Uh, I'm not sure when I'm going to um, put it up, but it'll be soon. I got so many other interviews in the bank right now. <laughs> No worries at all. Please take your time. Totally take know you're your busy. Time. Yeah. <laughs>
Yeah, finally we were able to get in touch. I actually had internet this week, so yay! <laughs> <laughs> All yeah, right. Thank, thank you, thank you so much, and please let us know if there's anything we can do for you in return. Obviously, for for doing this amazing interview with us. Oh no yeah, problem. If you ever want to do it again, we're always good to go. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely. Uh, can't wait for the time when I can do like. Uh, return guests and stuff like that so that'll be cool <laughs> yeah yeah we love we love podcasting so if you ever want us back just hit us up cool yeah yeah maybe we can talk about all their things you know uh sailor moon or something like that heck yeah <laughs> uh, yes we would definitely do that one day i gotta one day i just gotta have like a bunch of people and we have just like a sailor moon episode and we just talk Sailor Just, Moon. like, dissect it or something. That would be fantastic. <laughs> I'll keep you guys in mind, you know, if I ever uh, if I ever do that. I got to finish watching it all and everything. But, uh, yeah, I, I got to keep that in mind. All right, that was my interview with Alethea Van Hollen and Jackson Jobert, creators of the comic series Bad Luck. More information about where you can read Bad Luck and follow them online will be in the show notes for this episode at freshesthepodcast.com. All right, another interview, another episode, another great talk with some good people in the books. Thank you for listening. Goodbye and good night. Fresh is the word.